Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys.
see what uh, Jesus will do with that. Okay. Sounds good, man. Let's go. Oh, Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Yes, Jesus. Thank you for this community that we have. Thank you for another Sunday that we are able to be found in your house and your presence, Lord. We pray that you will take this scripture, that you will use it to, to bless us this morning. That you will you will make us leave this place full with your word and with your knowledge, Lord, that you want us to take away. We pray this all in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. The heart of the Father. Series we're in. The heart of the Father. Based on the title, obviously, the heart of the what I see is the heart of the Father is the heart of reconciliation. Yeah. And the heart of Jesus is the heart of reconciliation. Yeah. But what, what, is, what does that mean fully? I mean, I think, so like, like the word reconciliation, um, you know, my, my first thought when I, I hear the word reconciliation is like, okay, that's like two people who aren't really getting along. And then they reconcile and they're back to being friends, right? Sure. And that's like, we're in school and Zach steals my favorite pencil and I don't like him for a week. I'm really uh -huh. mad at him. Right. And then he gives it back and he apologizes and then we're friends again. Right. That's, you know, kind of a basic reconciliation term, right? <laughs> I, but I, I looked it up in the dictionary just because I was like, well, I need to know the actual definition. Yeah. And it's, it's actually very close to that definition there. It says, the restoration of friendly relations. Okay? But when I read that, I was like, man, that's actually kind of disappointing. Like, that definition to me is like, right. okay, the restoration of friendly relations. Right. Like, I've, I've heard the word reconciliation or reconcile, like, be used before, and it's always in, like, a very serious situation. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, we're at odds, and then no, we we had a reconciliation though. We're good. Like, right. no, usually it's not used over something silly. It's used in a very serious situation. Right. So, I wasn't satisfied with that definition, to be honest. So I kept digging. I was like, I need to figure out what this means because I've seen reconciliation in the Bible, right. and it, it's much more than just like restoring friendly relations with someone. Right. So. I looked for like the, the actual like theological definition of reconciliation. And it says reconciliation is the end of the estrangement caused by original sin between God and humanity. Wow. Alright, so if you're gonna write something down, write that down. Yeah. Reconciliation is the end of the estrangement caused by original sin between God and humanity, okay? That is a great definition of reconciliation, in my opinion. Yeah, okay? that's good. And that, honestly, to me, that is the heart of the Father, right? His heart for you, his heart for me, his heart for his people is that there would be reconciliation. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> His heart is that there would be an end to the estrangement, an end to the separation that was caused in the garden with Adam and Eve when they, when they ate from the, the tree they weren't supposed to. That created that separation. Right. His heart is that there would be no separation. Right. Come on. Right. That's, that's his heart for us. 
And that's what Jesus is, is trying to show us through this chapter in Luke. See, Luke 15, it's actually made up of three parables. Okay, so this is Jesus. Um, he's talking to some religious leaders, some Pharisees. Okay, and they're, they're kind of getting after him for the people that he is associating with. Right. Yeah. Okay, they don't like who he's hanging out with. They're, right. they're sinners. You know, these are people of the law that are holier than thou. And he doesn't like who he's hanging out with if he's supposed to be God. If he's supposed to be this teacher, like, why is he hanging out with these people? Right. Right? So, in, in chapter 15, like I said, it's three parables. But Jesus... He tells the first story is of a lost sheep and the shepherd that goes to find the sheep. And then the second story is about a lost coin and about the woman who searches all over to find this lost coin and she celebrates when she finally finds this lost coin. Yeah. And then he proceeds to tell this story, the parable of the lost son. And he does that because... He's, he's telling these guys these stories and they're, they're not understanding. They don't, they don't comprehend what he's trying to say. Right. See, they have a lot of knowledge of the law, but they can't see through the, this parable of what Jesus is actually trying to communicate when he's talking about the sheep and the coin and he's referring to the way that he searches for us, the way that he comes after us. But they, they can't understand that. So, he breaks it down into something that they will surely understand, okay? Because a sheep has value, sure. It can yeah. be, but but that, that sheep can be replaced. Right. If a wolf gets a sheep, you can buy another sheep. A coin obviously has value, but you can make more money. Right. You can go work, you can, you can earn more money. As hard as it may be, you can, you can earn some more money. Right. But a son... A son is so much different. Right. You can't replace a son. That's what he, he's trying to communicate is the way that he feels for us is the way that we feel for our sons, for our children. If your son comes to you and asks for his inheritance and then immediately decides to leave, that's not just like, oh, I lost something. That, that's heartbreaking. That, that's a, a, a gut-wrenching, you know, slap to the face, worst feeling you've ever felt. Your kid is choosing to walk away and leave. Right. That's not just something that you're like, oh, well, I have this lost coin, like I better find it. No, that, it, it's, it's, it's got to be one of the worst feelings on the planet. But that's what they can't comprehend, though, through this whole thing, that Jesus is trying to get them to understand, is that in this story... In all these stories, it's coming back to us. Okay, We are the son in this story. It's just a simple representation of who he sees us as. And he is just trying to paint this, this picture for them that you know, he, he is God. He is the father in this situation. Yeah. And that we have, you know, starting with Adam and Eve, like I said, we have made the choice to, to live in sin and create that separation all along. So, you know, as, as he continues, like, in, in this story here, essentially the first part of the story is he's just breaking down what happens when we choose to live outside of his plan. Yeah. 
right? See, you know, the, the story of the, the father and the son, the father has a plan for the son. The father has set, he has got money that is supposed to be an inheritance for the son when the son passes away. Or when the, when the father passes away, the son gets the money. Okay? But the son in this story is not satisfied with the timing of this plan. He doesn't want to wait until the father dies. He wants this money now. He wants his inheritance immediately. And the father in this instance, I mean, even though he knows this isn't the plan that he has for his son, he agrees. He gives the son what he wants and, you know, lets him make his own choice, even though he knows that this isn't what is best for the son. Right. And, and you know, through this whole thing, it's, you know, the, the thought that came to me is just how many times are, are we like the son in this story where, you know, Jesus, I know that you have a plan for me. I know that your plan for Scott's life is perfect. If I follow it, it'll be awesome. But, you know, our, our human nature gets in the way. You know, I've been lonely for so long. I've been single. And she gives me some attention, even though it's probably a dead end. Probably not going to lead to anything. Yeah. But I want to be with someone right now. You know, I'm... I have, you know, I know that I feel like you've led me to this job that I'm in, but I haven't had a promotion in so long. I felt like you called me here, but like, what am I doing? Nobody appreciates me. Like, I'm just, I'm here working away. Nobody cares about me in this spot. Like, Jesus, I need to go. I need to do something else. I need to be out of this spot. I don't like the time frame that is being set here. See, in this story, it, it, it just shows that you know you could be on the, the right path. It could be the right plan. But if you're not in God's timing, then there, there's going to be problems. Yeah. Because as Jesus he shows here, there was a plan. Yeah. There was a plan for this son. He was going to get this money eventually. He was going to get it. Yeah. But he wanted it immediately right. and chose to do it his way, take the money, and guess what? He wasn't ready for it. He wasn't mature enough to handle what he was given. Because that's something the father knows. The father understands. You know, by the time I pass away, my son is going to be old enough to understand. I'll, I'll have been able to teach him these lessons. He'll know what to do with this. But if he jumps the gun, and then he doesn't know how to handle it. Guys, when we live outside of Jesus' timing... It can cause absolute disaster if we're not ready for the blessing that he has for us. But let me tell you something, because I'm not, not going to focus on that part of the story, okay? Because that's not what Jesus focuses on either. Because the best part of the story that he's telling, it comes after this. Yeah. All right? The best part of the story comes next, because the son actually does come to his senses. It takes a lot, which for us sometimes it takes a lot. You know, we, it takes us being at the lowest low that we potentially have ever been in to come to our senses and be like, man, if I would have just listened in the first place, maybe I could have avoided some of this. Yeah. But the son comes to his senses, and he's just out there. He's like, man, I am just, I'm out here starving. I've got nothing. I've got no friends. This guy reluctantly hired me. He won't even give me any food. Like, I've got nothing. Yeah. He's like... And then it like dawns on him, he's like, hey, 
the servants at my dad's house, at least they at least they get fed. Right. Like the guy that used to be my butler would at least he's got more than enough food to eat. He's not starving. He's out here, he's living way better than I am. So yeah, so he's like, you know, I'm just gonna go back. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna admit that I was wrong. I'm gonna apologize. And I'll just tell him, Dad, I'm sorry. I know I don't deserve to be your son. Please can I just be a servant in your house? Yeah, can I just have a little bit of food? And I'll just work for you. I won't I won't be your son anymore. I, I know that that's I know that I blew that. I'll just I'll be the lowest of the low, but at least I'll I'll be living. I'll have some food. Right. Yeah. But this is where it gets really good. Because watch this. So he heads back home and it says that while he was still a long way off. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. While he was still a long way off. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Do you realize the only way that that father would see him coming from a long way off is if the father was standing by the edge of the road waiting for him to come home. Come on, Scotty, come on. He is standing by the edge of the road, looking down. The only... I'm imagining he lives in a cul-de-sac that's really long. So there's nowhere here. He's just looking down this road, and he's like, I know he's going to come back. Right. Yeah. And he's just standing on the edge of the road, waiting for his son to come back. Day in and day out, he goes to the road, and he stands there, forsaking everything else. No other task is important. Every day he comes out to the road, he's just staring down the road, waiting for the possibility that that son might come back. Yes. Come on, Scotty. The kid is out acting a fool, wasting all his dad's money, running him up, doing God knows what out here. And the dad every day is still standing on the edge of the road, waiting for him to come back. Yes. He's seeking out that reconciliation with his son, even when the son is off doing his own thing and wants nothing to do with it. And when that day finally came, he recognizes his son's gait. He recognizes the way that his son is walking from a long ways off. I'm sure he had seen people coming down the road before, but he knows his son well. He knows how he walks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. So he recognizes, that's my, that's my kid. And he takes off and he, and he rushes out to meet him. And that's the Jesus that I know. Yeah. That's the Jesus that I've seen, that I've read about in the Bible. The God who is filled with love and compassion for us. Yeah. For you. And he's just waiting by the side of the road, waiting for you to come back to meet him so he, so he can run out and meet you halfway. Yeah. That's, that's him. Wow, that's good and even still, this is just funny, even still as the father runs out and he hugs and kisses his son, the son, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that he's already been forgiven. Right. Yeah. Because he starts in on this, this speech that he's been preparing the whole way back. Yeah. He starts in and he just says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Yeah. And the father doesn't even give him time to finish. Because he was going to ask him if he could just be his servant. He doesn't even give him time to get those words out of his mouth. He doesn't acknowledge it, doesn't give it a second thought at all. 
Yeah. He ignores it. The only thing he does is he calls out to his servants and he says, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Yeah. And kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Yeah, come on. Wow. See, that is incredible in itself. But one thing that, when I've read this story many times, I've, I've heard people preach on it many times. But one piece of the story that, that I kind of overlooked a little bit in this part of the scripture was what the father told the servants to go get. Yeah. Because I just always assumed that it was like, Hey guys, go get this. Go get this dude some clothes because he smells like pigs. He's been feeding pigs. He stinks. He goes, get him some new clothes so he yeah. can clean them up. Right. That's what I always just assumed. Not reading too deep into it. But when I told Matt what I was preaching on, and he suggested that you know, you gotta have a good pastor that is giving you some good advice. Okay. Because <laughs> he suggested that I look deeper into the the meaning of these three items. So I did. I looked a little bit into the significance here. And I just have a few things on each of these. But what Jesus is saying here is, he's just saying, when, when you come back to me, I'm going to cover you. Yeah. Like the finest robe that I can offer, I'm going to be your covering and your protection. Wow. Come on. It's like, I'm, I'm going to be your comfort and your warmth and your sense of security. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be to you. Wow. So I'm going to cover you in my peace, just like I would cover you with the finest robe. Yeah. That's what I'm going to cover you Come with. On, and he's also saying, I'm going to restore you. See, I'm going to place this ring on your finger that is my stamp. Yeah. So this is my family crest. And you are so much more than a servant, and I'm going to restore you back to your rightful position. Wow. That's why I put the ring on your finger. Because you're my son. This is my family crest that you wear now. Yeah, that's good. And he's also saying, I will set you on your right path. Just as the father gives his son these new sandals, because I'm, I'm going to protect your feet as you continue on. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a straight path to follow. So I'm not going to let you trip and stumble. I'm going to give you firm footing. Oh, come on. I'm going to give you these new sandals to wear. Wow. That is the heart of reconciliation. Wow. It's not just making friendly amends and, and coming back. It's right. God is restoring yes. you. He's getting rid of that separation of that estrangement mm -hmm. and bringing us back together. That's great. When Jesus went to the cross, that's exactly what he did. He closed that gap. He reconciled any sin that you've had in your past, any sin that you might still be living in. He reconciled all of that. When we choose to come back to Jesus, He is sitting there waiting on the road, welcoming us back in. Saying, I've already paid for it. It's fine. You know, a lot of times we get stuck in our own head about it. Like, Jesus, I know, but I'm just messed up. And I've got a lot going on in here that I can't seem to get rid of. And He's like... Just come back. 
That's all that I care about is that you're coming back. Yeah. I don't care what you were doing out there. Just come back. That's all I want. Yeah. And when and when we choose to, to come back, he's just saying, you know, there's there's nothing that you could ever do that would make you not my son. Yeah. That would make you not my daughter. And for my son, or for my daughter, for, you don't get just a, a piece of heaven. You don't come back and just get a little bit of food. You don't get a little slice. He's like, no, for my son and my daughter, you get all of heaven. Yes. It's like you, get, you get all of the power. You yeah. get all of the authority. Come on. You get it all. Josh, you, you get it all. Yes. Come on. That's what happens. You don't come back to scraps. You get it all. Yeah, you get true. every single thing that Jesus has to offer. Come on, Jesus. Worship team, you guys can make your way back up here. Um, but guys, that, that is the heart of the Father. It's, it, it's, it's one of reconciliation. Yeah. It is the heart of restored relationships, restored bodies, restored souls. That's his heart. We have been reconciled with Jesus. And because of that, we have access to unbelievable spiritual authority. Yes. And it's funny that Zach got up here and started talking about our conversation because I had it in here of what I'm gonna what I'm ending with today. Because we do have that unbelievable spiritual authority. And in times like this where, personally, in our family, it's just, it's been rough. It's been very hard. We've had news that nobody wants to hear. We've had so many people praying over Yvette in the situation the last few weeks since her original diagnosis. That when we got this news, it, in, in all honesty, it took the wind out of our sails quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. But then, like Zach said on Friday, he called us and, and was just praying with us, praying over Yvette. And like he said, he was just asking God for more faith. Yeah. Just asking God for more faith. Like God, when when we are worn out, when we don't know what to pray anymore, because it's just been such a struggle. Yeah. We just ask for more faith. Yes. Because we have access to it. Yes. He will bless us with it because. We're his son and we're his daughter. And that's part of the all. You get all of heaven. Yeah. He will give you that extra bit of faith that you need. Yes. Now when he got up here and was talking about, about how God has a war mentality against sin yeah. and against evil. On that phone call, we were just talking and he just said, it's like, God, give us a spirit of war. So because I feel like I've got a spirit of peace right now. And it's okay to have a spirit of peace in peacetime. Right. But in wartime, we need a spirit of war. That's right. When the enemy comes knocking on my family's door, yes. I want a spirit of war. Yes. Come on. I want to go to battle with that stuff. Yeah. I'm not just going to sit back and watch it happen because I have the spiritual authority yeah. through that reconciliation yes. that Jesus paid for on the cross. I have that authority. Yes. 
Shani has that authority to speak that over her mother. That we are waging war on this cancer. That we are going to wage war on depression and anxiety. We're going to wage war on any type of sexual sin that you might be caught in. Any type of addiction that you might have. We are waging war on it all because that's the spirit that Jesus will give us if we ask for it. Because he wants us to wage war on the enemy. Let's go. If you guys can stand up, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have an extended period of worship today. So it's going to be a little longer than normal. It's not just going to be one song. But as we do this, we are going to pray. And we are going to wage war on these things that have come knocking on our door. Because they can't stay. If it's the smallest little inkling that they need something, you go pray for them. If you feel like God is calling you to reach out to someone to pray over you, go ask for prayer. If you feel like dancing around because God has been so good to you, then dance around, lose your mind. 